0: We're trying to record a podcast. You said you weren't even going to be home tonight. What are what are you doing in my life? In between all right, go in there and shut the or shut the doors. Okay, we are in crunch time. Podcast has to come out tomorrow, and we have to be interesting and funny and deep and likable and everything else all at the same time. Don't roll your eyes.
1: <laughs> He's like, well, you need a lot more than a day to get that done. What third person are you bringing in to make that happen? <laughs> Welcome aboard Stowaways to the second episode of Seminary Stowaways. I'm Hannah Connor, your host, and I'll soon be joined by my co host, Luann Riley. Today, we dive into what Luann's learning about spiritual disciplines. If you're like me, that topic may feel intimidating. But Luann introduced a surprising perspective, so stick around. But before we jump in, I want to introduce Luann Riley. Luann grew up in Alabama but got to Texas with her husband Justin as fast as she could. She left her ladder-climbing gig in corporate America for a full-time job in ministry seven years ago, and she's the former discipleship director of a large Houston-area church. She's currently pursuing a Master of Arts in Theology while wrangling her twin boys. She has a passion for hoodie sweatshirts, non-dairy creamer, books that make her cry, and Alabama football.
0: I want to introduce you to my friend, Hannah. Hannah is currently a communications manager for an anti-child trafficking organization, and I happen to know she's a pretty fantastic wife and mom. Her family just moved back to the U.S. after doing missions in the U.K. for the past three years. She's an Enneagram 5, so naturally, she loves detective stories and TV. She has a degree in creative writing and has worked in church ministry or parachurch
1: ministry for the past eight years. Hey, friend. Hey, friend.
0: You ready to do this?
1: Let's do it. So today we're going to be talking about spiritual disciplines. Last time we talked a little bit about calling, and this was the next stop in your class?
0: Jumping from calling to spiritual disciplines. I'm understanding better why we did that, because if you think about it, seminary is not just supposed to be an academic journey for me. What I'm learning should also transform my life, but then it should also equip me to help In spiritual formation of other people. And so spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices are pretty central to the Christian life. Honestly, I thought I pretty much have this in the bag because I've been following Jesus for almost 20 years now and spiritual disciplines like I've got this. That is
1: totally the opposite of what my reaction would be. I've been a Christian. I mean, since I was like a little, little kid, I prayed and accepted Jesus into my heart. But if we were going to be talking about spiritual disciplines, I'd be like, oh, man, here we go. The failure criteria. All the things we don't do. (laughs) The things I don't do. I know what they are, but I'm real bad at them. So what resources are we going to be looking at today? We are looking at a book
0: by Ruth Haley Barton called Sacred Rhythms, Arranging Our Lives for Spiritual Transformation. Yeah. great. I was pretty stoked to open up the syllabus and see that our second book that we were going to read was by a female. I mean, I don't know yeah. what I thought. I thought for some reason in seminary that all my books would be like by old white haired guys who have fancy names and speak with a British accent. I don't know.
1: Well, I'm sure that's pretty much true. <laughs> I think I don't know how Ruth got in there.
0: Uh, well, I have to say now that I've I posted about this book and I've and I've told people about this book, and so many people told me that they've mm-hmm. that they've read this book. But she was at Willow Creek, uh, which is a large, well-known church, and she's a spiritual director and does these retreats. Um, and I found her book to be extremely accessible, but just really deeply spiritual
1: I would have thought I guess the book that I think of when I think of disciplines is celebration of discipline isn't that Foster
0: mm-hmm. That's I mean, that yeah. I know of yeah I mean we read Foster for, for some certain particular disciplines um her book there are disciplines in the book and we're going to talk a little bit about that today but her book really sets the groundwork for the heart or the motivation as to why we would desire or want to do spiritual disciplines
1: Is this an idea that's pulled directly from the Bible? Like where it talks about fruits of the Spirit. Is there somewhere a list in there of like disciplines? Or is this kind of a man-made cobbled together thing?
0: There's not a chapter or verse in the Bible that says do these things because you follow Jesus. However, where we see Jesus retreated in solitude and prayed, Mm -hmm. so we say, okay, we want to be like Jesus. We want to do what Jesus did. So therefore, a spiritual discipline for us is to retreat into solitude and pray and to spend time with the Father. That's kind of how the list is put together. We covered 19 spiritual disciplines. We didn't fully dive into every single one of those, but there was a list of 19 that we pulled from. And I'm going to tell you, I would have said, let's see, Luann, how many spiritual disciplines are there?
1: Mm-hmm. Like off the top of my head, yeah, I would have like eight I, or nine. I'm
0: going to go, oh, well, you're far advanced for me. We see who's more qualified for a seminary. <laughs> I would have said th- four, read your Bible, pray, fast, give money, Stuart, give money. Like mm-hmm. that's about it. That's pretty much the extent of what I would have thought of a spiritual discipline. What I want to talk about today as we kind of get into the spiritual disciplines is spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices create this space in our lives for God to transform us.
1: So that's her big idea.
0: The actual spiritual discipline does not transform us. Ruth poses this question, do we long for God? Do we long to live for God? What is our longings for in life? And Listen,
1: Ruth. Back she, off. Okay. She said, Stop getting up in my business. I know.
0: She says, don't rush past that question of, is there something that I should be doing with my time that's better? Is there something. Oh, my Lord. I know. There's something that God wants more for me with my time, with my life, with my routine, with my practices. And See, I this was This is like, why
1: spiritual discipline would instantly be like, oh, I don't want to do this class. <laughs>
0: That's intense. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot better things that I could be doing with my time. Mm -hmm.
1: Those are Um, some big questions. Yes. Those are the questions of, like, where is your heart? Where's your heart at? Because often, no, the answer is I don't long for more of God. And in my mind, that's why I do the spiritual discipline. Because on my own, I'm just like, whatever.
0: I think. I think my motive, like why I don't do spiritual disciplines or I haven't done them as well as I should, doesn't necessarily have to do, I don't think with my, where my heart is. I feel like it just has to do with just like life, just like crowding in. But
1: this is where, so we've just moved to a new area and we are looking for a church here. And you and I had a conversation the other day about how difficult it can be to find a new church if you've thought through issues of theology, you know what you think, and you want to find a place that lines up with your beliefs. And I was saying you can't look at, like, a website or a list of beliefs to know a person or church's theology. Mm. You have to look at what they do, Mm. because that shows their real belief. So. I would argue that my problem isn't that life crowds in and other stuff gets pushed out. My beliefs are evident in what I do. So the problem is that when I see that I allow my life to be crowded out, that points to yeah. a belief problem. It points to the fact that I don't actually believe God's going to show up. He He's real and powerful and wants to know me. He's going to make a difference in my life. That's why I tend to get kind of paralyzed when it talks about these things because it's Feels like it points to matters of my heart that I don't know how to. Yeah, address. I do. I, you're you're you right. Know.
0: You're absolutely right. Ah, oh, Hannah, you're now you're all up in my business about the spiritual disciplines. Isn't it easier to just say, oh, I'm too busy. Has too much life," than be like, "No, my heart doesn't actually want or long for God." I mean,
1: uh, I can't do that. I I know when I'm fooling myself and lying and like trying not to look at something, but it's a it's a big thing to, like, put into my lap is to feel like, okay, well, what do I do if the core yeah. problem is that maybe I don't believe? That,
0: yeah, or that that not just that you don't believe in God, but that you don't believe that this particular thing exactly. that we're talking about That's right. That's matters. Right. It doesn't
1: mean that I don't believe in God, that right. he doesn't love me, but there are right. all kinds of things.
0: Well, you know, Ruth Haley Barton, besides her initial question of mm. what do you long for and what could you be doing with your time, mm-hmm. she has a another, yeah. I think, astute observation where she says that mm-hmm. many of us try to shove spiritual transformation into the nooks and crannies of our life that is already yeah. unmanageable yeah. rather than being willing to arrange our life For what our heart needs. And we think that somehow we're just going to fall into spiritual transformation by accident. And that is true about me. I do want spiritual transformation, but I don't want to have to work at it. I don't want this. I don't want to. I want to do what I want to do. And then I just want to be like, okay, God, transform me through the things I'm already doing. Don't make me have to set specific things aside that are specifically for transformation. I don't want to. I don't want to have to do that. And the only thing that is going to spur transformation from our part is if we desire for it. If we desire Mm -hmm. more of God, if we desire more of of transformation. And she says that your desire for more of God than you have right now, your longing for love, your need for deeper levels of spiritual transformation than you've experienced is the truest thing about you. She said, you might think that your woundedness or your sinfulness is the truest thing about you or your giftedness or your personality or your job title or your identity somehow defines you. But in reality, it is your desire for God and your capacity to want more of God that speaks to the deepest essence of who you are and to then try to think through and figure out, okay, of these, call them spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines, call them how you decide to interact with God on a daily basis. The things that increase your desire for God or that you long for to spend time with him are then the spiritual practices or disciplines that you should put in place on a consistent Mm. basis in your life.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Spiritual disciplines, it sounds like such a trite, like list of things that you just need to cover real quickly and you can decide, you pick the ones you want and then move on. But like anything, if you engage with this topic in an authentic, open way, it just gets so, it gets into all kinds of business where I feel like, hold on, I was not ready for like a therapy Mm -hmm. session. I thought we were just going to be like, Mm -hmm. I pick tithing and oh look, I pick praying. When all of a sudden you're face to face with Do you want God or not? Real decisions. Mm -hmm. like,
0: what am I going to not do in order to do these things? And now it's coming into conflict with my flesh is what it's coming into conflict with.
1: There's this quote from C.S. Lewis where he says, When you have this idea of God rebuilding you, you kind of think, oh, I've got a nice little house here. Maybe he'll make some touch-ups, paint some things, fix the windows. When you discover that what he actually wants to do is tear it down and start from scratch.
0: Oh, it's the worst when he tears it down and starts from scratch. (laughs) Oh. Oh, Yeah. I think for me, one of the most impactful parts of practicing spiritual disciplines through this class was solitude. I had to practice solitude and I had to square away one day for two hours of solitude and silence, which means no technology, no people around, no noise whatsoever, and only my pen and paper. It was a work to find two hours of solitude and Mm -hmm. silence. I had to kick my people out of my house and say, you have to leave and you cannot Mm -hmm. come back here. I had to hide my phone. I had to turn off all music. I couldn't talk to Alexa, tell Mm -hmm. her what to play. And so I found that though, Hannah, the Lord was so near to me in solitude. I was, I started with like, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to do? And I just started writing out my prayers. And I just felt like the Lord just kept bringing things to my mind um, to talk about, to confess, um, scriptures, to read. It just, it was so, it was, it was, it was profound, honestly.
1: We, my husband and I did YWAM years and years ago. We did a school with YWAM. Uh, we had a silent retreat. So we drove to this island in Mystic, Connecticut. And once we got there, of course, we didn't have phones. We had a pen, our Bible, a notebook. We weren't allowed to talk to each other. And even when we went in for lunch, like we were there all day. But at first it's like, this is so boring. This is too much pressure. I have to hear something. What if I don't? What am I doing? This is boring. I'm cold. My feet don't. Why well, should have worn different socks. But after a while, you sort of run out of lame things to think about, and you start hearing from God. And since that experience for both of us, my husband and I was so enriching, we found ways to implement to implement that imperfectly. But when we were in London, I remember a couple of times, Jason would set aside a day and he would have like a silent retreat day. And he would go to a park and sit and be there all day. And once he made me do it, and I was like, ah, okay, cool. <laughs> and it was the same thing I mean I was out, gone for like five hours and at the beginning it was just like oh this is too hard I can't listen to anything mm-hmm. but yep. it's always it's always fruitful yep. mm-hmm.
0: it's a quieting it's a quieting of and you know silence plays a part of it and part of the silence exercise was taking us through these 12 degrees of silence which I found to be super strange from some monk I've never heard of but silencing your inner thoughts, um, silencing your feelings, silence, your emotions, silencing, one of them was silencing, uh, nature or silencing creation. <laughs> and like, right when I went through that, my dog started barking outside and I was like, this is not working. Nature and creation are not How silent are in my house. Silence creation. <laughs> wow. Silence the dog. That's um, a big task. but we, we were going through these silence, but you know, you read, uh, Parker Palmer's book. Mm-hmm. um, That was another one that we read. Let Your Life Uh, Speak. Let Your Life Speak. Mm -hmm. And he talks about your soul being like a wild animal that is shy and it takes time to coax it out. That you have to sit patiently. That it's jumpy. That it's... That it hides in the bush. Remember that analogy? Mm -hmm. And how that we have to be gentle with our souls in order to coax them out of the hiding place that we push them in to get through the rigor of the day. And I realized that, like, in order for me to hear God, in order for me to feel close to Him, I have to shut things down.
1: Yeah. I I would... I do. But I you do. said, this is my pushback. You said that you can only hear God in solitude, but you can hear him in so many ways. It's not just solitude. Surely, like, when we, when we go into solitude with, like, the right heart, we will hear from him. But that's not the only place we can.
0: Okay, so maybe I should say that's the better way I can. Because you're right. I've heard God in worship. Um, in you heard worship. God.
1: You had an experience in your class this week that answered a question you have been asking. God. And it wasn't like a voice. It was just looking at what was happening Mm -hmm. around you and realizing he was speaking to you through that.
0: Yeah, you're right. I, so maybe I should say I found a solitude to be very transformative, intentionally transformative Mm -hmm. in a way that maybe I haven't experienced or put priority on. And you know what? Ruth Haley Barton, one of her premises this idea of the rule of life and what is that her her book said for centuries Christians have been practicing the rule of life and I'm like well not for this century for this Christian (laughs) because I don't know what the rule of life is never heard of it uh, yeah and so the rule of life that she puts forward is this idea of purposely crafting out a plan for spiritual disciplines and that can be for a season. So for this class, we had to write our rule of life for a quarter, and we had to evaluate sort of our life, and it had to fit into your life. It couldn't be you couldn't say like, "Oh, I'm going to spend one day a week for eight hours in total silence." It's that that was not feasibly possible. But to put a plan in place um, that says, "In this season, for my soul, for my spiritual walk," with the Lord, these are the spiritual disciplines that I'm going to commit to following. And here's the frequency that I'm going to do them. So for example, my current rule of life, which let's just talk about, it, I'm not following. Okay.
1: <laughs> you broke the rule of your life. I broke the
0: rule of life, but What's I did the write it for that. I did write it. I don't know. Some self-imposed flagulation. Yeah. Um, Uh, is to say that this is what my mornings will look like. This is what I would like to commit to in the evenings. This is sort of a weekly practice I might commit to. This is a monthly practice I might commit to. And I will say prior to just sort of life events happening in the last couple of weeks, I was following it pretty well in terms of I committed to having no technology and silence once a day. And I was doing that well in the mornings. Um, when I got my kids to school, I would come back home. I would shut down my phone. I would sit down and I would do one hour of silence. And normally solitude unless my husband's, you know, walking around on a conference call twisting blinds. But that's a whole other story. And committing to to Sabbath. And I didn't even commit that I could do Sabbath every week. I committed that once a month I was going to hardcore practice sabbath um and so just this idea and then it even leaves space like once a quarter you should spend a day or four hours whatever you can commit to silent retreat kind of thing like you were talking about and evaluate okay what is what is my soul saying what am i longing for what might god be saying to me that the next season of transformation needs to look like
1: i don't know i mean does she have a section in her book about people who are just a hot mess? <clears throat> because um, this sounds like a great idea, but it also sounds like you have to have a lot of flexibility in your life. I don't know. It just feels like a requirement to yeah. Christianity that I don't know that Jesus had. Yep. And I, any, that any of this the stuff wolf, that the we desire. talk about there it is. is like any of these things. I'm like, Okay. If this doesn't, if this is not available to like the most common, regular, normal, never going to go to seminary person, then how critical can it be? Do you know what I'm saying? Like this idea of the rule of life. It, it's okay that you never understood what the rule yeah. of life is. It's yeah. okay that no. most people don't You're, know that.
0: Exactly. I just, <clears throat> when she said Christians have been practicing for centuries, I'm like, mm, don't think so because I haven't and I'm a Christian. Yeah, I mean, right. so I agree with you on that.
1: So when I was younger, I was going through a time where I felt like I really – before I had met Jason, before I was married, where I really needed God. And I I just had this huge desire for him to be present. I felt my need for him. And I didn't know how to bring him into my everyday life. Mm. And so I decided that what I would do was was I was driving my car back and forth from work every day – I would look at all the things around me, and I would try to think of how God was like those things. And I would be driving down 1960 to work, and I would pass, like, James Coney Island, like the hot dog sign, and I would be like, (laughs) how is God like a hot dog, Hannah? And I'd be like, because you just don't know what he's made of. And I would do it, like, (laughs) everywhere I went. And that is... In, in a way it was like a spiritual discipline it is but listen but because i didn't know what i was doing
0: yes yes so that's an allegory right so in psalms you say god is like this mountain because god is like this yeah. cloud because i mean that's not that far off it was just Hannah, my from what you find except for way. hot dogs did not exist right. in the time of jesus i just didn't nor would know. he be able to eat them because
1: he's jewish yeah i just didn't know like how do i bring him here i need him he's got to be here with me i am having some trouble but i didn't have any other and i read my bible and i prayed and i spent time lots of time alone uh but it was like the best that i could come up with on my own which was super weird
0: but you know what you had it's what she says you have to have you have to have a desire
1: hmm.
0: and you had a desire yeah and she keeps coming back to our spiritual disciplines are fruitless unless we desire God, unless we desire Him. And you desired Him. Even in your most imperfect way, you were saying, I want God. I don't know how to do it. I want more mm-hmm. of. And she keeps coming back to, like, it has to be about your desire for God. And that that's a big premise in her book. I mean, she sets it up in the very beginning that we're talking about the longing or desire for God as the core motivation to practice a spiritual discipline. And so your spiritual discipline of comparing God to hot dogs is probably is not in Ruth's book, I <laughs> should know. But your desire that you're expressing here mm-hmm. in your heart to want God more is what she's talking about. So
1: to summarize what you're what you're describing, she says you have to there has to be a heart behind it mm-hmm. and a longing behind it. Longing. And then on top of that, you need you ex you practice these in silence and solitude. That's kind of the setting in which you'll see the most fruit from spiritual disciplines. Is that right? Well, s- well, silence and solitude
0: is a spiritual discipline. Oh, okay.
1: Gotcha. that's just that's
0: that's just one spiritual discipline. Okay. Um, and there's more that she outlines in the book that as we go through the podcast, we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. a few more of those. And then there's some that are not in her book that we'll find in Richard Foster's that we'll discuss. Mm -hmm. And then in Walter Brueggemann, other spiritual disciplines that we'll pull, but her book laid the foundation for the heart behind Mm -hmm. spiritual discipline and the creating the space Mm -hmm. Which, for most people, is the hardest yeah. part, Hannah. And so creating space to practice a spiritual discipline yeah. is one of the hardest is the hardest part.
1: If someone's listening to this and this idea of spiritual disciplines, if they think that's I want more of that in my life, where do you even start with this kind of thing?
0: I think what you do is you start wrestling with this question that she poses that I've been wrestling with, which is, what are you longing for? Are you longing to be with God? Does your life show that? And the question of is there something better that I could be doing with my time? And I think when you start wrestling with that question, you start wrestling with this idea of do I desire God? Do I desire to be with him? And how does that how is that showing up in my life and in my heart? Mm-hmm then you can start to begin to process and wrestle with God of what is what spiritual discipline should i be doing and what does that really look like for me in this in this season
1: that's good and that's hard and it is also essential feels like
0: it is it's creating the space for god to and be and even with
1: realizing god. maybe maybe you don't want him but you can at least want to want to and that's a valid prayer help me to
0: want you more.
1: That's good. Do you have a scripture to leave us with?
0: The scriptural truth for today is from Hebrews 12 verses 11 and it says no discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful. Later on however it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Thanks for
1: listening friends. Well, that's it for today. We hope that you've been encouraged, maybe even amused. If you have, we'd love it if you'd leave a raving review for us on iTunes. You can also join us on Instagram at Seminary Stowaways. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, the opinions expressed on this episode belong solely to Hannah or Luann and do not represent the organizations, institutions, churches, or Starbucks baristas in their lives.